You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging, a program discussing the latest innovations in clinical radiology and imaging technologies. Your host is Dr. Jason Bernholtz, Director of Diagnostic Ultrasound Consultants in Oak Brook, Illinois. Autoimmunity has been identified in about 100 separate diseases. Depending on the target tissue, the disorders may be systemic like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, localized like thyroiditis and celiac disease, or perhaps somewhere in between like our focus today. Our new forms of imaging enable us to map the inflammatory component of these diseases, often identifying conditions that were not part of the original differential diagnosis. With me today is Dr. Dushant Sahani, who is joining us from my own residency alma mater, the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Dr. Sahani is on the faculty of the Harvard Medical School. He is a radiologist at the Massachusetts General Hospital and director of CT imaging services there. Today we are discussing autoimmune pancreatitis, or AIP. Well, hello, Dushant. Thank you for joining us on ReachMD. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I wonder if you might give us a clinical overview of autoimmune pancreatitis, how it was first identified as an entity, and how you've learned about its features. This is a very interesting topic due to the fact that it's intrigued us for quite some time based on its clinical and imaging manifestation mimicking something more sinister such as pancreatic adenocarcinoma, which all of us know is a horrible type of disease and has a very very poor outcome. So autoimmune pancreatitis is, as the name suggests, is a form of low-grade chronic pancreatitis due to some unknown autoimmune process that incites this and for also some unknown reasons specifically affect the pancreas in majority of cases. This affects preferentially older men, middle-aged or older men, and has the symptoms are very low-grade with some nonspecific pain or weight loss or several of the patients also presents with jaundice. So good news, though, is this disease, although masquerades like cancer, unlike cancer, which is either when treated, it is treated with surgical resection, this can be treated medically by giving a course of corticosteroids, you know, which we all aware of corticosteroids have been used for a wide variety of inflammatory and other conditions. So this can totally reverse the changes and also the clinical course of the disease in substantial number of patients. Now, when we encountered these cases, they were all a retrospective experience where some of these cases, which look like pancreatic cancer, when the surgeons who will come back with a follow-up for our interdisciplinary meeting will mention about how this case turned out to be something which were more inflammatory with a lot of fibrosis. And we tried to really evaluate what is that something specific about this disease entity that we can look on imaging and see if we can reliably make the diagnosis or suggest a diagnosis and make a distinction from adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. And we started looking at the imaging features and we learned several key or distinct features which were not usually present in patients with cancer. And one of those features on CT scan was looking at diffuse swelling of the pancreas in a kind of sausage appearance of the pancreas, means the pancreas typically has a nice morphology in this disease process, which is generally diffuse, 
the entire pancreas has lost its typical morphology, has got a, like a thin halo around it, giving it a, a, a kind of a sausage appearance. And that we have not seen in adenocarcinoma. Another thing we noticed is, unlike adenocarcinoma, where the pancreatic duct is almost always dilated, and also the common bile duct is dilated depending on the location of the tumor, in these patients, almost majority of them demonstrated attenuation or, or narrowing of the pancreatic duct due to the fact that the pancreas is swollen. Another thing we also notice is the vascular involvement, which is common in adenocarcinoma, is not typically present in patients with autoimmune pancreatitis. Well, I wonder if you can say a little something more about the pathogenesis or the specific pathologic features of this condition that help you to make like a little model of what you're going to look for with CT. Yes, so the pathogenesis or the natural progression of this disease is it starts as an inflammatory process. So typically on pathology, what has been described as it, this is a disease which involves a lymphofibrocytic proliferation. As we know that lymphocytes are the key cellular component in the inflammatory process, but especially the low-grade inflammatory process, but also there is fibrosis. And so the process starts as inflammation, and we believe it progresses to fibrosis as the disease advances in a more chronic stage. And what we have tried to correlate is when the inflammatory changes are predominant in the pancreas, it reflects in the form of swelling in the pancreas and some peripancreatic changes. And as the changes progress to more fibrosis, the swelling reduces or resolves partially and the changes become, tend to become more focal and eventually patient develops strictures like how we, we see in a lot of tumors in the pancreas. So I guess it'll depend a lot on where in the time course of this disorder you happen to see people. Absolutely. We feel that there is a staging for this disease process. It goes through a early stage and a, like a more middle stage and then an advanced stage. An early stage, we would think when there is a lot of inflammation and middle stage where there is a mixture of inflammation and fibrosis and the advanced stage is where fibrosis is a predominant element and there is a paucity of inflammation. Now, I think I've heard the pathology being described as duct-centric, which is one of its unique features. And I wondered about autoimmune mastitis, which also seems to be duct-centric with a lot of lymphocytes infiltrating things. And I've wondered for a long time about infertility from asymptomatic salpingitis, whether these are all processes that are very similar to AIP. Yes, I think there is some association and people are trying to correlate whether the basic genesis and manifestation of a lot of these autoimmune processes are similar. These are in pancreas, for example, is very duct-centric. And that's why the changes are more predominant along the pancreatic duct. And also, this results in more diffuse functional changes because of those findings. But no one knows why it typically affects that area, why they are duct-centric. But there is a lot of commonality between other autoimmune processes which affects the salivary glands or the breast or, or other areas in the body. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Advances in Medical Imaging from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Dushan Sahani from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. We're discussing 
autoimmune pancreatitis. Well, Dushant, in your paper, when you reviewed cases, you had to rely a little bit on 16-slice CT scanning for your older cases, since it was retrospective. And I'm wondering if a 64 or even 256-slice CT makes a giant difference in your imaging of the pancreas. You know, Jason, I'm glad you asked that question. The honest answer is, I don't think so. The 16-slice CT does a pretty good job, given its speed and resolution, So for pancreas imaging, we don't gain substantially going to 64 or 256 slice CT imaging because the changes, what we are detecting here, are pretty obvious on the resolution which is offered by 16 slice CT alone. What happens is as we go with the advanced technology in general, it just makes the image quality much better. The quality of the reconstructions and 2D and 3D display of the images is aesthetically more pleasing. So yes, there will be some benefit of going with advanced technology, but I think 16 slice CT does a, a very good job if in evaluating the pancreas and, and answering some of the cl- clinical questions. The key, however, is to look for some of these molecular changes or changes at the cellular level which currently CT has a limitation in detecting these very, very early or subtle changes. And there, I think those are inherent problem to the technology itself and the physics, which is used to reconstruct the images. And I personally don't believe going to advanced technology is going to solve that problem right now. Well, I mean, the good side of that is that this is generally available pretty much everywhere CT is available. Yes, absolutely. So the results of our experience here can be generalized. Uh, This is nothing sophisticated. This is something pretty much standard of care in almost all the practice. Uh, Using a focused pancreas imaging technique with a 16-slice CT is of very good quality. Well, let's take the case of localized disease in the head of the pancreas where the clinical impression when the patient is being sent to you is likely this is a pancreatic cancer. And in that case, can you, you've done your looking and you say, gee, uh, fellows, I really think that this is likely to be autoimmune pancreatitis, or at least I don't think it's cancer. Can you hold off your surgeons then, or do you biopsy things anyway, or do you have the time to do a trial of steroids? How do you manage a patient that you think has the features of autoimmune pancreatitis when it's focal? Jason, you ask a very interesting question, and I think this is a question that has a ramification on patient management, and this is a conundrum which we encounter quite frequently with the focal form of autoimmune pancreatitis. If you would have asked me this question two years back, maybe my answer would have been different, but now with having gained enough experience in this disease and also with pancreatic adenocarcinoma, we feel that in most cases we can at least make a suggestion that we are either dealing with or not dealing with adenocarcinoma. And these suggestions are based on the morphological appearance or the image manifestations of autoimmune pancreatitis differing from those of uh, adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. And these differences, if I have to enumerate, first and foremost is cancers tend to be very heterogeneous in the sense when we do dynamic imaging, the cancer has a very heterogeneous or a a low-density, ill-defined look to it. And on the contrary, autoimmune pancreatitis tend to be more homogenous and looking for lesion without a discrete area where you can say, okay, this is the tumor, this is where the mass stops, and this is the normal pancreas begins. So it kind of merges with the background 
pancreatic parenchyma. And if you have to remember the fact is the autoimmune pancreatitis in majority of cases, and I think almost all the cases, is actually a diffuse process. So the background pancreatic parenchyma itself is abnormal, whereas adenocarcinoma starts as a focal process in almost all the cases. So there you can make a distinction where the tumor begins or stops and where the pancreatic parenchyma is. So that is easier in cancer than in autoimmune pancreatitis. Second thing is cancer tends to infiltrate or encase the critical vascular structures in the vicinity of the pancreas early on in their progression, which is exceptionally uncommon to see a vascular involvement. It has been reported in few cases that the venous thrombosis can occur with autoimmune pancreatitis, but the encasement or wrapping of tumor around the vessels is an, a phenomenon which I haven't experienced or I have seen it being reported in the literature. And my own interaction with a lot of other busy practices who deal with autoimmune pancreatitis cases, and this has not been experienced in other places as well. So these are two key features. Other thing to remember is pancreatic adenocarcinoma tend to obstruct the pancreatic duct and result in atrophy of the body and the tail of the pancreas, especially the tumors which are in the head of the pancreas, and majority of, of the tumors are in the head. Whereas autoimmune pancreatitis, we might see a stricture. Even with focal form, stricture is not very common, but when we see the stricture, the atrophy of the t body and tail is not substantial. So there are these differences which we have recognized, and also any metastasis to different organs is kind of uncommon. So if we see a finding which is not fitting a typical profile of adenocarcinoma based on the features I just described, we recommend getting a blood study which is to look at a serological marker. These are immunoglobulins which are increased in majority of patients with autoimmune pancreatitis, and there is a subgroup of those immunological markers called IgG4, and if those are elevated, that strongly suggests a case of autoimmune pancreatitis. And if they are not elevated, what we do is also get an endoscopic ultrasonographic-guided tissue diagnosis, and generally when the FNA of these patients suggests presence of strong inflammation or fibrosis. Thanks to Dr. Dushant Sahani from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, who has been our guest. We've been discussing autoimmune pancreatitis. I'm Dr. Jason Bernholtz, ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging. For more details on this week's show or to download the segment, visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.